skiing up to it and hesitating and stopping and worrying about okay I don't know you know and you you and you get all these nerves and well all of a sudden you've just made it so that jumping this cliff's a lot harder mentally and then also physically uh, because you always need speed um, and I find that just with so many sports and things that we do in life it's like if you're gonna do it just freaking do it right um, but just set yourself up in the beforehand and give yourself all the tools necessary so that you can apply yourself 100%. Welcome to the Stokecast, where each week we bring you an inspiring athlete, adventurer, or entrepreneur and dig into their stories and strategies for building and trying to balance work, life, adventure, and impact. I'm Jonathan Ronzio. And I'm Emily Holland. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome back to the Stokecast, y'all. This is your girl, Emily Holland. We have Jonathan Ronzio on here as well. And we have a pretty incredible person on the show today. Who do we have, Jonathan? We, we say that every episode. It's like... It's like and it, we don't say here, incredible every time. Here we are. Great episode coming up, but like legit, uh, we try to only bring you great episodes. <laughs> um, we've got Elise Sogstad on the show. Um, she's incredible. Uh, to echo Emily's sentiment, we have such a fun, fun conversation ahead. Please buckle up for some laughs, some real serious rabbit holes. Um, but Elise is a professional skier. She is the wife of Cody Townsend, who we've had on the show in the past. Uh, you know, one of our our probably first, what was he, episode seven? Um, yeah, really early on. Really early yeah. on. And then we reconnected for our Stoked From Home series. We had Cody on that. And and so it's uh, so awesome to chat with Elise on the other side of the of this powerhouse athlete coin and uh, and hear her story, um, you know, where she discovered her her love for the mountains and for ski uh, racing and how that evolved into this professional career and um, and how you too can think about your own potential professional career if that's what you're into, uh, per- pursuing developing a, a voice and a presence and a brand and how to work with brands in this industry. So really, really actionable and thought-provoking episode ahead. Elise, thank you so much for joining us on the Stoke cast uh, and, and for, for joining us from your, your walk-in closet there. I, uh, we really appreciate the, the nature of the sound dampening of the clothes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's great to be here, and you know, I just don't spend enough time in my closet, so you know, this is this is a, a good situation doing something I normally don't do. We're really <laughs> happy to provide that opportunity. Yeah, new <laughs> new appreciation for the closet. So yeah, I wanted to start off by saying that it just happened to be that our interview is coming up, and you know, on my feed was the um, episode of the Fifty Project that you did the sickle, I think it is in Idaho, right? Correct, um, yeah. And I have to say, like that whole episode, you know, the, the prompt is like Elise has not done like mountaineering, and she hasn't done like this type of skiing before. Um, but obviously she's a professional skier, you know, that was kind of like the conversation at throughout the episode. And I, I kept watching it and I was like, how is she so calm and just okay with all of this? I mean, it's the first time she puts on crampons. It's the first time, you know, she's, she's using an ice axe, I think. And I was just like amazed at your positivity and just readiness to just jump into a situation like that. Uh, thank you. Well, 
I think um, I, I took it just step by step. And if you break it all down, it makes it a lot more approachable. Um, so yeah, it was the first time I'd ever used crampons and an ice axe. Uh, but it wasn't my first time like hiking up something steep before. Right. So right. it's just kind of like using different tools. Um, I think what was the most uh, nerve wracking for me actually was having to drop in, which is funny because usually like that whole day and that the approach to the day beforehand, I was thinking, okay, it's getting there is going to be the hard part for me. And, but the ski parts, the easy part. Mm. Um, and, uh, we, because the, the snow conditions were so horrible and it was so steep and tight at the top, we had to sidestep down quite a ways and doing that, you know, that's when you, that's when the ice axe, I was using that sidestepping and that was kind of, it was just awkward. Um, mm. and so it the the whole experience was pretty hilarious in the way that um i mean you know we it, it took us i don't know seven eight hours to get out there to then sidestep halfway down a couloir <laughs> like <laughs> like it just wasn't you know like it was just so laughable what what the reward was um but it was the whole experience was, was great. And I'm really glad that, um, I got to do it and I, I'm sure I'll do more. Um, it just takes a different type of training, I think, uh, because when you go for those super long days in the mountains where you're, you're doing that much touring and, and just hiking in general, um, it's just a different kind of need from your body that mm -hmm. I'm not used to. I'm so focused on more of this anaerobic, powerful style of skiing. Yes, I have really long days in the mountains, but but not, you know, seven hours of touring kind of thing. So <laughs> um, so I think I would need to start training differently if I was to do more of that. But as a whole, uh, it was pretty fun and pretty approachable. I think that may, hopefully if anyone watches the episode that wants to get into mountaineering and thinks that it's overwhelming they can see that and realize that it's actually pretty approachable you know if you especially if you go with the right people and you just take it step by step it's, it's interesting that the episode title was called marriage test in the mountains right <laughs> yes <laughs> so, you guys didn't fight at all I yeah right <laughs> I was like, it, no. it, it seemed pretty cordial so i i'm curious though like it was. how how much that dynamic plays into the things that you do together yeah well, it does. And it's that day was went pretty smoothly. I mean, I think at first, um, which it really wasn't shown in the video is at the get go, I was a little bit slower in the touring at the, just the first part of it. And Cody just thought, Oh no, what did I, what I get into with this with her, you know? And I wasn't, I just remember kind of being annoyed, you know, it was early in the morning and just starting out touring. I was annoyed and, um, and then I had the realization, put my ear pods in and turn on some music or podcasts or whatever. Um, and that just made everything flow so much better. And it put me in a great mood. Um, so then when I was, when I kind of caught back up with the, with Cody and it was, I don't know, it was fine. <laughs> we were totally fine. But yeah, you know, and it can be hard though with the marriage in the mountains, because even though we work together so much um we have over the 
uh, in the past, which is, it's, I find it to be, I'm like really lucky that I get to work with Cody all the time, but when it's your significant other, you will, it's just natural for us to have a little bit of a shorter temper, you know, a shorter patience level um, for our partner. And there are times where, you know, you have to realize that and we, we can get tiffy with each other, but um, you just got to keep it in check and yeah, yeah. it happens. <laughs> I think, and, and there's the last thing I'll say about that particular episode, just cause I was like, you know, smiling ear to ear the entire time. But um... Emily sent it to me. She's like, you have to see this line. And this is like, <laughs> believe me, this is the first time she's ever done that because like generally I'm sending her like, Emily, are you, are you super into like skiing, snowboarding usually? Um, I went on my eighth day of resort skiing this year. So <laughs> I would say no, <laughs> Wow. I'm trying really hard to learn something in my late 20s that I wish I learned when I was like five, but yes. <laughs> so this, this is- I, a, Yeah, go ahead. No, no I, I, was, I was just going to say, this is generally more my I world that, that I'm like sending yeah. Emily being, and she's like, oh my God, I'm going to throw up watching this. And, and, and <laughs> your line was like blowing her mind and she was sending to me. Well, wasn't that it was, it's like, you know, I've seen these, show, I mean, I've seen your films, I've seen all these films now, especially because we do this podcast. So I want to like, watch what people are doing that are on the podcast. But it was like the attitude throughout the, the very overwhelmingly positive attitude that I was drawn to. And then at the end, I was like, this made me so much more, even more excited to talk to you today is that you were like, I don't know why everyone's so surprised that I did it. I'm a professional skier. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, that's the kind of energy I need to bring into every situation I go into. Um, yeah, I, I understand, though. I mean, when, when there's things that I do that I um, I'm a novice at, I come into it with hesitancy, always thinking about, okay, like, what can I do to set myself up for success here? And, and I, I never want to oversell myself with the people that you're going with, because you don't want to be such a drag. You know, you don't want to be, yeah, it, the person that ends up ruining it for everyone. I don't, I don't want to be that person. Some people are totally okay with it, you know, and they, they can um, fake it till you make it. But so I understand that, that way of thinking. But as you pointed out too, at a certain point, you just kind of got to, you got to go at it full force, you know, the more, um, so, and a, a way to compare this or just given an, actually, just to give an analogy. I mean, I, I see this like in skiing, um, itself and whenever if I'm going to ski a line or hit a, hit a cliff that I'm nervous about, um, doing it, 100% is going to set yourself, set yourself up for success much more so than if you're hesitant. Like if you're going to jump off this cliff, you might as well do it where you're going to give yourself the best chance to, to land. And instead of skiing up to it and hesitating and stopping and worrying about, okay, I don't know, you know, and you, you, and you get the, all these nerves and well, all of a sudden you've just made it so that jumping this cliff's a lot harder mentally and then also physically uh, because you always need speed. Um, and I find that just with so many sports and things that we do in life, it's like, if you're going to do it, just freaking do it. Right. Um, but just set yourself up in the beforehand and give yourself all the tools necessary so that you can apply yourself hundred percent, I guess. 
Yeah, that's what I, I'm trying to say. <laughs> I love that. It's interesting that you say so. Like you're gonna need speed, right? Because it's, right. as you were communicating that, I was all I was thinking of is like the the biggest fear factor for so many like people skiing, snowboarding, whether it's in the park trying to go up to a, do a rail or jump off a cliff is is that they speed check too much, right? And then you hit a jump and you didn't have enough speed and you you hit the deck or you like, you know, fall off the rail or you just flat bottom after the cliff and and it's because you didn't have right. speed. And so like how how can people reframe their relationship with like understanding that speed is their friend? Um I I mean I without having the actual science behind it if you think about it um like if you're thinking of a picture a natural arc right and so especially if we if you can think of a jump in the park um there's a natural arc well if you if you flow and you have speed that arc is going to be much more natural and you're going to land at not as um not as much as like a plop uh when you actually have speed so <laughs> i love and the word like plop a, <laughs> yeah, well, unless it, maybe I should I should actually just go back to the whole um, to the cliff part of it. It's if you think about it, if you have speed, you are going to create momentum as you're taking off and as you're landing, and that momentum will carry you forward. But if you don't have any speed and you you ski up to it and stop, and then you try and just you know you you go off it, then you're going to plop because you don't have momentum to carry you out of it. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> in the mindset though, too. I mean, it's like, how do you get to the mindset? I mean, the rationale is there, right? You, you kind of mm -hmm. can be like, okay, I know I need to go fast over this and, uh, or I know I need to go fast through this. You know, I feel like there's, there's a lot of different sports that you could use this metaphor for, um, and life experiences. But so the mindset of gearing up to that, where you're like, I know rationally I need to do this, but I'm also really scared about what the outcome is going to be. So how do you shift, I guess, your, your mindset to be like, it's going to be fine. I know rationally that it's going to be fine if I just speed through it, whether that be in skiing or, you know, in other parts of your life. Yeah, I think it's just something that I have to constantly deal with. And so I am conscious of it. Um, and I still have to do it all the time when whatever I'm when I'm skiing something that's difficult and intimidating for me or induces fear. Um, I have to, I go through that mental talk through in my head beforehand of, you know, acknowledging what it is like, okay, you know, you're, you kind of scared of doing this or that, but you just, you're going to do it. So do it this way and you're going to have more success. And because I have gone through this process, I'm very conscious of it. It has, um, led me to constantly doing this and, and, and then also realizing that as we, as you were mentioning, you know, you put this in different aspects of your life. Um, I look at it that way for mountain biking. Um, same thing. Like if, when you hesitate, that's when you're going to get hurt. Um, and it's funny because in mountain biking, I am, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to hesitate. I, <laughs> I, I just don't have the, like me too. the go hung attitude. <laughs> like I do. I mean, I have it a little more in surfing, but I don't have it in mountain biking. And I know that because, uh, I am, I'm hesitating. That's only going to make it worse. So it's this balance, um, of trying to, I don't know, make yourself commit to things and, and follow through. Yeah. I feel like there's just like, every time you do something again, 
just try to push that hesitation a little tiny bit further and further. And then you'll eventually get to the point where you are with skiing, where you're like, I think about it all the time, but I just push through because I know that that's what needs to be done in order to like get it done, I guess. Yeah. And if you're conscious of it and you're successful, you have a moment, you know, a line that you ski, a cliff that you jump, whatever it may be. Um, and there, and you have success that you had to overcome to, to make that happen. Um, it's re- it feels really rewarding and you can reflect back on that and be like, okay, I did that before. So let's do this again. You know? So yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> ripping a bandaid, right? Like the, the, the slower, <laughs> the slower you go, the more painful it is. Oh, how many metaphors, Jonathan, today? <laughs> you don't you don't even know, Emily. I've got I've got I'm about them all. to come up. Couple more. I know you are. Yeah. Well, all right. So I I would like to take a few steps back here. Elise, you have of course had this incredible career in skiing. Like un- unbelievable awards, accolades, so many parts and films. But it, it like it goes back to what I want to know where where did this passion start? And I think you were a downhill racer, but like how did you get introduced to the sport? How did that evolve in racing and then into like after after college, you designing this career and saying this is what I'm going to do full time? And how did you make it happen? So let's walk a little through that story. Okay. Um, well, I grew up in Girdwood, Alaska. And on the race team, as you pointed out, and, and especially back then, that I mean, that's all that existed. There was no such thing as free ride. Um, but I'm very glad I ski raced anyways because of the foundation it gave me. Um, and being, I guess, a competitive enough person, and I did well ski racing, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but, you know, it's funny because I, I look back and there's a couple ski races that I missed because I was skiing powder. And it wasn't like I wasn't the kid that didn't want to show up to the ski race because I, I did very, very well, you know, and, and it, and I really enjoyed the race aspect. So, um, I, there were just a couple times that I guess powder was, I was just having too much fun. Um, and, but it's funny because I, I never had the intention as a kid with, the mindset of, I want to be a professional skier. Uh, when I, Cody has that Cody, when he, from a young age was like, I want to be a professional skier. And that I, I didn't think that way at all. I was thinking more of a, a normal professional career choice of becoming a lawyer. Um, and that's what I went to college for. But ultimately after I graduated college, I moved to Tahoe, um, up into squaw like actually I, my last couple of years of school at the university of nevada reno but i was living in reno and you're still an hour away from the mountains so after i graduated i thought i'm gonna go be a ski bum for a little bit study for my lsats and then go to law school and when i got to tahoe uh I, the whole ski professional free ski world just kind of was there um, at my doorstep because Squaw was the hot spot back then. There were so many amazing pro skiers. And I met Cody and started dating Cody. And then one thing led to another that um, I kind of got introduced to some sponsors and I thought I would compete um, to kind of, I don't know, just prove myself, I guess, to sponsors and, and just get my foot in the door with the whole professional ski thing. And one thing led to another, I didn't go to law school and became a professional skier. So 
<laughs> you know, much to the, I'm sure my, my parents are, you know, I mean, I know they're very proud of what I do, but there's moments too, I'm sure at the get go, they're like, what are you doing? Go to law school. <laughs> the classic, like parents nightmare is like, oh, I'm actually not going to do that. And I'm going to go ski for a living. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I think the, one of the redeeming things though, is that my father was a ski bum at heart. Um, and he had spent quite a bit of his life revolving around skiing. So I think that deep down they were very happy that I was becoming a professional skier. It's just that, I don't know, it, it, it's an, it's an unknown sort of profession to get into, right. That, uh, versus something that's real solid, like becoming yeah. a lawyer. <laughs> totally. Now, what, well, what... Go Emily? ahead, Jonathan. No, I, I was just going <laughs> to ask, like when you moved to squat, was that like the, uh, like Shane McConkey era of, of Squaw Valley? Yeah. yeah. Um, when I moved here was the year Matchsticks yearbook came out. And that's when Ingrid Backstrom had her breakout role, which I actually knew Ingrid from ski racing. We were literal pen pals from about 13, 14 years old oh, wow. um, onward. Yeah. That's Back so in the cute. Day, I just got chills. Yeah. Aww, and so... So she had her breakout role and then you had, um, you know, Shane and CR and Kent Kreitler and also Jamie Burge. Um, there was, uh, I mean, Cody was making his name and, I, and the list goes on. I'm surely forgetting tons of people. Um, Brad Holmes, um, JT Holmes. <laughs> so yeah, it was, there was a lot of pros around and it's uh, pretty funny because one of the stories that people don't really hear. So I, Cody's told the story that um, was also showcased in the Matchstick All In movie of how Cody and I met our our first date, our first ski date. Well, what the side of the story that doesn't get told though is my side of the story. So our first ski date, Powder Day, you know, we go out and um, he, he's just as much under the scope as I am for him. You know, he has no idea, but you know, for for a female skier, I definitely wanted a guy that was a really, really good skier, snowboarder. Um, I didn't have time to wait around for a slow, a slow guy on skis or snowboard, right? Just as much as they feel that way about girls. Well, there's a lot more guys to choose from than women. So, um, that are good, good riders. Well, anyway, so we go out and, and I'm able to keep up with Cody, but what's really funny is Every time we get in the lift lines, Shane and um, Scott Gaffney start heckling the crap out of Cody. Like, who are you you're skiing with your a girlfriend? And, and just started saying all kinds of like terrible things. I just won't mention them over this podcast. <laughs> you know, just heckling the crap out of him, trying to make him feel horrible for skiing with a girl on a powder day. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, oh my God, these guys are such a-holes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I hadn't really met, you know, this, this is right at the get-go. So I hadn't really met those guys before and had, I had no idea that they were, that that's just their sense of humor and they're just fully joking around and just trying to pull one another's chains. Yeah. And uh, so I just thought, wow, those guys are jerks. <laughs> but <laughs> but Cody, um, Cody did well at skiing that day. So 
uh, it was as much love for me on my end as it was for him on his end of me being able to keep up. <laughs> so you kept him around because he could, he could keep up with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I think that it's interesting. You, you said like, I didn't even think about, you know, um, skiing being a professional thing that I could do. And I, I go back to some of, you know, the conversations we've had and just some things that we're reading about and, and just the idea of like representation and, you know, Cody maybe having a lot more people to actually look at and be like, oh, look, there's, there's people that actually do that. Whereas, you know, I, I don't, necessarily feel like lots now but not maybe when you're starting out to be like oh there's women doing this too like I could do that Mm. or I feel like now there's so many women it's awesome I love to see it I'd love to hear uh your perspective on the change um and you know what you what you think about it and what you think the future will look like for that yeah it I've been doing this long enough I have seen a huge shift uh one quick story from when I was a little girl, uh, my family, we'd go to the Warren Miller movies every fall and get excited for skiing. And then I remember at one point going to a Greg Stump movie, um, and I believe it was, I'm pretty sure it's licensed to thrill, but I can't be certain of that, which one it was. But anyways, his girlfriend at the time um, was the one female that got in the movie but she I didn't know that she was his girlfriend but um at the end of the movie she was go-go dancing for the credits and it stuck out to me it really resonated I was about I think about 12 years old or so and I thought wow that is really the one female in the movie has to go-go dance like it, it it was really poignant to me um it's not that anyone pointed it out and being that young and so I thought wow that's pretty lame like, I want to be in a ski movie, but I don't want to have to go-go dance. Um, so, you know, fast forward to when I started to become a professional skier. Well, as I had mentioned before, I, you know, I started out competing and, and did quite well at that and really thought that I was um, getting my foot in the door and I had sponsor support. Well, when the sponsors went to the movie companies, um, they movie companies especially you know it's it's funny we can laugh at it now that it was matchstick in particular who was said like uh we've got our one we've got our one female we didn't we're good that's what they told my sponsor and and i can say that about them because they're the ones that they they've done quite a bit of change i mean i i you know, had some some of my best skiing ever in their movies and now where they're at um, they are including all kinds of women in their movies. I mean, they just announced today that um, Ariana Tricomi is going to film with them. And so that's just another female to add to the list. So they filmed with like four or five women this w- winter um, for their movie. So things have changed quite a lot. <laughs> um, and, and I've been through it all. Um, but I'm really happy to see where it is. And, and I, I I hope that on my end, I've been, I feel like I've been pretty relentless with these companies to try and get my foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and it eventually paid off. That's yeah. Really good to hear. I, I, I'm curious how the working relationship with these companies is like, you know, how much of it is, is you or any other skiers needing to court them and try to get that part in the movie versus, 
them reaching out and saying, we'd love to have you film with us. And then what kind of exclusivity is there, right? Like if Ariana mm-hmm. is now, they're getting they're announcing like she's filming with us. Great. Does that mean she's not filming with other production companies for other films? No, not at all. It's actually, I mean, it's, it's a business relationship and in general, um, you'll see athletes work with one company versus another typically, but that in part is just has to do with the fact that the ski season is so short and you in general, like if you want to make a good segment, you want to spend as much time working on that one part, um, that you have. And if you are moonlighting with different ski movie companies, then you are not setting yourself up for the best chance of having a banger, a banger solid part that really um, gives you a presence in a movie. Um, so there's not ex- exclusivity uh, where there is, where it does get kind of divided though too though, is it's very sponsor driven. Uh, movie companies do sometimes reach out to athletes that they're interested in working with, but ultimately sponsors ha- contribute money for the athletes for them to film, to, for them to be filmed by these companies. So um, it's kind of like what comes first, the chicken or the egg in a way, because sometimes sponsors will be the ones that say, hey, you know, Matchstick, would you please film this person? And they'll go, okay, you know, we've got, we've got room. We think they're good enough. Sure. We'd love to, or sometimes it is the movie companies that reach out. And in the case when um, I started filming with Matchstick, Gaffney had this idea that he wanted to do a segment with Cody and I. And so he reached out like, are you interested? And said, yes, of course. And then they were able to reach out to sponsors and then get some sponsor support for that. So it's a, it's a back and forth kind of thing, but it's definitely not as, well, there's just more business to it than I think people imagine. It's not just talent driven. Um, yeah. And then sponsors have to align. Like for instance, um, you'll notice North Face is really tied in with TGR and, and they have the majority of professional skiers that are North Face athletes film a TGR. It's just mm. kind of the way it is. But they're free to film with other people and they can get budget support for other movies. It's just, that's just kind of the way it's been. North Face has a great relationship with TGR and, and TGR is a great company to work with and the, TG, uh, the North Face athletes are happy to be a part of the program. So. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't realize it. I guess it was so, I don't want to say convoluted because that sounds like unattainable, but um, a little bit more nuanced than we were thinking about. Um, yeah, I think that's a good lesson for people yeah. who, who maybe are trying to to break into the space <clears throat> for sure. Yeah, and that that's one one reason why it took so long for women to break in because it's not just on the ski company or excuse me the the ski movie production companies that are holding back women part of it too was and is if if just as important if not more there weren't sponsors there pushing them like literally pushing them Mm -hmm. like saying you need to film so-and-so athlete and that's just the way it is if you want money, you know, and, and, um, and so there wasn't the push and, and 
movie companies weren't asking them to film women because they're like, whatever, we've, they're not, I just don't think, I also think too, because our sport has so many men um, behind the scenes that they just don't pay as much attention to women athletes and what women are doing. And so they just, it's just having your finger on the pulse and being excited about something. And that just wasn't happening. So now though, as because the, the, the tide's changing and women are gaining more, you know, attraction to people, to companies, they're, they're seen as viable marketing assets. So um, you know, like as, as we, as I keep kind of referencing this, it all comes back to business to a certain point here, right? It's like skiing is a business and, and everything that we're seeing put before us is some shape or form marketing. And if women are seen as important marketing assets, then they'll be paid more attention to. And women have so much more buying power and more women are getting into sports. Like that's definitely a shiny spot in the ski world, skiing, snowboarding as women. Um, the growth there, the more women that are doing it and getting into it and spending money, it makes sense for companies not to ignore that. Do, do you think that, um, you know, with, with your background studying to be a lawyer, of course, entering this industry, maybe you didn't even expect how much business would be involved in being a professional athlete, but, uh, but the level of, of that that there is, uh, you know, you have a background of maybe being at least understanding business law to a degree and and uh and being able to navigate those waters like what do you feel like what's what's your um i guess advice to people that are looking to to become professional athletes but might not feel like they're as business minded to be able to approach that field mm-hmm. um goodness i mean if if you yourself don't feel like you're business minded you tap resources reach out to people that can help you. Um, but you've got to have the understanding that um, communi- the way you communicate with sponsors, the way you um, put effort into treating yourself as a business entity, you will further your chances of becoming a professional skier. Uh, you know, when I going back to when I first started out, the only way you really were professional skiers if you were in the movies and in the magazines and it was that that stuff that dropped in the fall and the winter and that was it there was no social media there's no way there's no no povs GoProing to just film on your own you had to have an expensive camera shooting you um so there wasn't that much to go around you know, and there's a handful of people that got the opportunities well now in some ways, it makes things more convoluted when you have all these different types of media that you can create to make yourself uh, a professional athlete. But boy, it really has opened a lot of doors. Um, so it's it's all possible. Um, I think that unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, there's there's goods and bads to social media. Um, but it definitely has opened a lot of doors for a lot of people and it helps you create your own image, um, helps you 
put yourself out to the world in the way that you would like to present yourself as a professional athlete. And I'm, I'm, especially I think nowadays too, it's, it's pretty obvious that a lot of, for a lot of athletes, it's very curated what's put out. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting times, but it, it also has created a lot of opportunity for people to, to get into being a professional athlete. Hmm. Jonathan, go ahead. No, no. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, just make a comment of like, um, I feel like that business mindset and just always being able to come back to the fact that like, although these are very tied, these businesses are very tied to things that we're all deeply passionate about getting into the outdoors, particular sports, saving the planet, all these things. Um, I often forget this. So I think it's a good reminder to folks that at the end of the day, it is a business. And so like thinking about it in a way that, um, doesn't necessarily hurt your ego, but that you can just actually push through, um, in trying to reach out to sponsors or trying to reach out for help or whatever it is. Um, I feel like that's a good reminder for folks who are trying to break into the industry overall, that it's not necessarily about you. Like it's about, um, it being a business and people having to make business decisions at the end of the day. And I think that being persistent is really helpful because, uh, if I think a lot of people also don't realize team managers for, um, all these industry brands get heaps and heaps of emails and DMS and all these things of sponsor me. Right. So, um, one, be persistent, follow up just because someone says no, doesn't, I mean, doesn't say they don't reply to you. Doesn't mean they don't want to give you their time. They just may not really pay attention to it. But if you send multiple emails, another thing is don't reach out to sponsors via Instagram direct messaging. That is so unprofessional. You've got to have a level of uh, professionalism. If you expect to be given gear, a sponsorship, any kind of partnership. Um, another thing is before you go on to the next thing, like where, where should they reach out? Well, you, I think you need to reach out by, well, if you, if you can't find any contact information, you can go ahead and direct message. Hey, I would love to send a business email. I'd love to send an email, um, talking about a partnership, do you have contact information that you could pass along? But um, websites is a good place. Um, and also, oh, yeah, start with looking for websites. Um, even as a professional athlete, if I get business proposals on Facebook messaging or direct messaging on Instagram, I just think, wow, this person really isn't putting in any time. I have a website that you can contact me through email. Like it, it's, it's pretty easy. So, um, exactly. So it takes the time you just, you just got to put in that little extra time because people realize that at the other end of, well, I do have an email that is out there for people to find if they really want to reach me. Um, so that you've got to, if you want anything from a company, you don't just say, give me this, give me that, you know, treat it like 
it's a, I mean, it's a business. There's a reason why someone's going to give you something if they're going to give it to you. They're not going to give it to you for the sake of just giving you something. <laughs> um, you know, there's a bottom line. There's a, there's an, there's a finite amount of product that a comp- company has and it's, uh, it all costs money. Yeah. I think that the people don't even realize just as a, an ad tip, and I use this a lot when we're scheduling guests, right? I don't think people realize on Instagram when it's a business a business page too, like a lot of people will have their email on there. So you can just literally click that and email them directly from their Instagram. I mean, I didn't notice that until right. I was starting to schedule our stuff. Um, but that's just a side note. I'll, I'll yeah. stop talking, yeah. Jonathan, so you can you can ask questions. No, it's all good. I, I, <laughs> no, it's for, great. For me, I've, I've always found success looking, uh, you know, it, if you want to get sponsored by a certain company, search that company on LinkedIn and look at the employees of the company and then find who is the marketing manager, who is the brand manager, who is the PR manager, et cetera, exactly. right? And then and then reaching out to connect on, on LinkedIn, get their email that way. That's been like a, a good avenue that's very professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that you bring but that if up. You're, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're, you know, a high schooler and you're looking to get sponsored, I can understand you not going to LinkedIn because you, you don't have, you have to have your own LinkedIn account, right? But there are ways for sure. And the more professional you are, in what you write, the more likely you will get a response and hopefully a positive response. Uh, you know, Cody, he's been really crazy busy lately with, with the 50 project. I mean, the, the amount of people that reach out to him wanting a piece of them is, is just insane. I mean, I'm so impressed. I, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm like some, minion professional athlete in comparison, but it's totally understandable because his project has really hit a nerve in a positive way and it resonates with people. And I'm so excited for him that he's doing this, but he gets a lot of requests and recently he denies a lot of requests. Time is finite. Um, But he has done two zoom calls with like, a 12 year old and another 15 year old because when they reached out to him, they did it in such a professional manner and in just a very cordial way asking for his time um, that he, he was charmed and couldn't say no, you know? So um, be charming. (laughs) (laughs) It goes a long way. way. Yeah, it really does. That's so so awesome here. yeah, it's super cute. <laughs> well, what kind of questions do they ask? I just want to know about that. <laughs> I don't know. I actually, so I know I didn't even, I, I, I stepped in and said hi at the beginning of one of the conversations. I just didn't um, stay and listen because <laughs> I didn't want to like, you know. That's amazing that they're even considering like, what does a career look like in this? And they're 12 and 15 year olds. Oh, I yeah. love it. Man. Yeah, I think it's people are just they're really into skiing and and maybe they say something that they're doing for a school project and somehow so they tie it in of something mm-hmm. that you're passionate about. So, well, we, yeah, we were thankful to get cool. a little bit of Cody's time for the Stoked from Home event that we we pulled him back into and mm-hmm. um, and I know I know during that I, I think I, I mentioned before we started recording that it was funny like. It, while we were doing that session, I, I recall you coming over and del- like just like dropping off a sandwich next to Cody or something. <laughs> yeah. So appreciate so nice. you for for keeping him fed while we were doing our interview. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, 
And the other thing too is where um, Cody, the the room that he takes as his office space and does everything well, it's the door to our backyard. And our little dog, Theo, uh, has uh, passion is not even obsession is the better word for squirrels and chipmunks um, and hunting them. <laughs> uh-huh, and yeah. so he is constantly wanting to go outside. He hangs out with me a lot, but then he'll, he, he leads me downstairs and we have to go through the office of Cody's to, to go outside, to go sit and watch for potential squirrels and chipmunks, which is so hilarious. I mean, he's literally the same size as the squirrels, if not smaller. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think I've seen pictures of this this little pup, and uh, I don't know that he would inspire much fear in, no, but <laughs> in those he, squirrels. But he is fierce. Um, it was like a summer or two ago. What really got him into all of this, too, for some reason, um, Cody lifted up a, 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 a this two-by-four, and like Theo had chased something under it and Theo went in and attacked it and it was a lizard and he bit off its head. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, it's, it's just so hilarious because Theo is two and a half pounds and he is this, and he's so like adorable looking, just such this cute little thing that you can't even imagine that he could actually have this little fierce hunting side to him, but he's a Yorkshire terrier. And that was their thing is hunting rats. I believe back over in England, so that was, that's they what they're bred those for. Small places, yeah. Exactly. That's so, so funny. Well, I I want to um I want to go back to talking about the the social sphere a little bit, but in a different sure. light. So, I, like you, you mentioned, how you have been been there through it all to see the evolution of how how this like you know how the media landscape has developed for a, a professional athlete, and you've obviously stayed relevant through it all, and not every athlete has. And I'm curious, like how, you know, your, your approach to actually like leveraging new media and how you go about designing your career to stay on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I see it not as just um, a media thing, too. It's also the other things that I get my hands dirty with and that being um, like the safe as avalanche clinics that I co-founded and run with other, some other professional skier women, um, doing public speaking engagements. Um, that also just, I don't know, gets your tentacles, um, reaching in further directions that make you just keep, keep you relevant and doing things that, um, make you important to your partnerships, um, your sponsorships, et cetera. The social media side of things is an interesting landscape. Um, and I say that because I'm at the age where I notice in particular that you would think that the marketing group that I would be the most in touch with or the people have the most influence over as women of my age, women in the 30 to 40 year old category. Well, I realized that a lot of those women, I don't think Instagram is that big of a deal for them. Um, and I know this too, cause when you, when you can see the numbers that, that demographic is actually pretty low for me. And I put it into context when I think about my best girlfriends 
and all my best girlfriends, they all they kind of have Instagram accounts, but they don't really use them. And they just kind of post about a lot of them have kids or they're just their, their, their business lives, et cetera. They just don't have time to Instagram or and it's also something that maybe as the evolution of Instagram came about, it just really wasn't relevant for them. And so it's kind of interesting that to keep what I'm getting at, I guess, is to keep my perspective of like how I keep myself relevant in a, on a platform that doesn't even truly connect me with what I think is my best demographic to influence. Um, and by doing that, it's like, you, you just have to keep it sensible of, of, of this broader scope of who you're trying to reach. Mm. That makes sense. Um, and, it, and in, I think what I try and do as well is I realize that my job, even though I spend tons and tons and tons and tons of hours sitting in front of the computer doing a lot of this this back-end business work that people don't realize it takes um, for you to do as a professional athlete, um, I'm not going to post about that kind of stuff because even though I, I kind of want to put it out there, look, I literally am just like you. <laughs> like I'm not just you know, doing the most adventurous things every single day in my life. There's a lot of else, a lot else that goes into this. Um, that's not why people tune in. People tune in because they want to be inspired. They want to be reminded of getting outside. They want, they, they want to be, you know, not reminded of the doldrums of, of life and busy work. Um, and so because of that, um, and then, and also keeping things really positive, like no one wants to hear a professional athlete complain like, yeah, we have hard days and there are days that are really, really, really crappy. And that anyone would, if they went through it, be like, Oh God, yeah, no, that's horrible. But, but you know what? People don't want to hear that when you're a professional athlete, we have one of the luckiest jobs in the world. And that's why people that's why we have the job is because we are essentially selling a dream. Mm. So, yeah, that's so interesting because part of it is like, I'm, I'm kind of projecting so you can clarify if I'm, if I'm going off track here, but part of it is kind of like, well, you, you want to inspire and you want to be like the, the brand or the, the person you are the brand that people look up to, that they get inspiration from, that they want to be like. But then part of it, I imagine, is a little bit challenging just because of, you know, maybe potentially wanting to share more of like your everyday life um, Mm -hmm. and feeling a little bit restricted by that, you know, in, in, in a certain sense. So it's an interesting dichotomy between like, well, I need to share this for my job and my business and my brand, but then there's also like this other side of my world that people don't really know about. And I, yeah, you know, I'm just interested in like kind of the, the back and forth between those two. Yeah. Well, I actually like um, keeping everything that I put out in the world, very specific and, and mm. having a quote unquote private life as well. Yeah. Um, and, and especially for the fact that I'm married to another professional skier that is pretty infamous. It's um, that, opens up the doors even more so 
to our lives. Mm -hmm. And so it's nice to keep some things um, not seen. And and I like that, you know, and then I have the mentality to, uh, you know, sometimes when I I spend an entire week just working on the computer and, and I'm getting exercise every day, but it's going to the gym or just, you know, spinning on a bike or whatever, not doing something super exciting outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any great photos to post. Well, I have this mentality, uh, less is more, you know, like quality over quantity. Um, and, and that's fine. Like may, maybe it might slow my growth, um, just slightly. If you're not posting quite as much, I, I realize that, but I'd still rather just put out quality over quantity and, keep it very specific to what people want to see. And, and I don't, everyone doesn't need to see all aspects. Yeah. I like that too, because I think that as you continue to build and for people who maybe are, are beginning to do that, thinking about like, you know, if you, okay, if you were to really build, what do you really want people to see? Because once they see it, they feel like they can comment on it and be a part of it and, you know, reach out to you about it. So that, that is a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting this time that we're in because social media has made celebrities and I'm not putting myself in the celebrity status, but just you're a celebrity see, to us, Elise. Okay. So, oh, well, thanks, guys. <laughs> um, but celebrity like there it's so you're so approachable and attainable. Um, and, and people just, they feel like they can reach out to you so easily, which has so many benefits and it's so cool. And you can really create a fan base um, but it also can get kind of creepy. There are some people that that overextend their boundaries um, and what is appropriate to say to you and not. Um, and yeah, I just it it's I like having some some mystery <laughs> to myself, I guess, so to speak, um, yeah. rather than just being a tell-all. But there are some people that are really happy to do that, that will put everything out on the table. And there are a lot of people out there that just eat it up. You know, that that's their thing. They're, they're into it. So, um, yeah. It's an interesting some of us- line to, to draw because the, like the trend, <clears throat> I feel like, is increasing vulnerability and yeah and candid authenticity in all nature right and it's like the 10 years ago the the increase in popularity of reality television has now flooded over into social media and it's like everybody's social feed is their own reality show and people are addicted to it And, and it's like where do you draw the line right well so what is interesting though is you you said this very those two important words of um, authenticity and um, vulnerability. People love that stuff. But what is so crazy is what I, I think a lot of people, the general public, there's a lot of people that have a hard time realizing that people that they follow are taking advantage of them, like in the sense that they're really they're really being inauthentic and they're really not being that vulnerable though. They're literally putting out what they think wants to be heard or people get a response. Like you'll, there's people that you can follow. You'll see that they'll put out this statement of, Oh, you know, I, I wanted to put up, put up this naked picture of myself 
or, you know, whatever, very scandalous-ish photo. <laughs> and I didn't want to, I thought about all the things that people would would say um, of negativity and and how I just want to be this way or that. But then I realized I just need to be myself and put out what I want to put out. Like, okay, that's great. You just didn't have to say all that because you are now explaining that it's like you, you have so much weird pent up stuff going on and you're fishing. You're fishing for people to back you up and putting out what you want to put out and getting it's like you're assuring yourself of positive comments versus being really vulnerable is just putting it out there and like letting it be and seeing you know and, and letting people react in their own way instead of leading people down a track and fishing for particular comments that are literally getting their support does that make sense i mean it yeah it's one of those things where it's sometimes it's hard to sum up in one small conversation. <laughs> it it does. No, it's it's true. It's, it's like it's, it's a little it's, crazy. Yeah. But it, it's it's kind of what drives me crazy because I just feel like a lot of companies there's a lot of those two words vulnerability and authenticity are used so they're used too much and because of that it makes them the kind of almost the opposite of what they are. Um, mm. you know what I mean? Like they, it's kind of, it's just a funny, funny time that we're in, I guess. <laughs> Certainly just something to pay attention to, to, to think about, right. Is, is right. Like our, you know, the just designed authenticity, right. It's like, is it, mm-hmm. is this a, just another crafted story to help feed an ego or is it, or is it real? Right. Yeah. I sometimes think that not even the person posting it really knows, right? Like they, they may not even really understand which which part it is, which is that's really going a level deeper that we definitely don't have time to talk about. <laughs> no. No. Like we could talk no. about that for a while, yeah. <laughs> well, what's interesting, I guess, I kind of had this, this like my own personal epiphany, or so this is what the idea that I've come to of that. Um, on social media, true, like athletes will post what they want to post. It may not get as many likes, but like social media influencers, true influencers, they literally are a reflection of whatever they're being told by their audience to post because that's what does so well. And so true athletes, and this goes for a lot of other uh, things, not just athletes, but athletes that are true to themselves they don't give that they, and that's how you stay authentic. Um, you don't mm. just give a reflection because, you know, they, you, you see all the statistics of, of what does well on Instagram and face shots, smiling where your, your face is like three fourths of the, the photo. Well, that really, how it, it's understandable to, to have those kind of shots on your Instagram feed. No problem. Of course, people want to see that, but, to do that all the time, that's not reflective of being a professional athlete. But people will do that because that is what it gets them more likes than sometimes a ski shot or a snowboard shot. Um, and so then you'll see them go down these paths where they become that caricature um, mm. because they're just following along of what they're they're just being they're being in, even though they're supposed to be a social media influencer, they're being they're 
influenced by, by the audience by the audience so oh man this is a this feels inception like a, situation yeah, it feels like an episode of black mirror that we're talking about right like, now oh my god my mind is blown. <laughs> i said this is hilarious like this is probably not something i should be diving into on a on a podcast my my like takes on social media but um <laughs> You're being authentic, though, to yourself and not in a way that's performative. You're just being (laughs) authentic. So that's where it's at. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. I I don't know. I guess in the the scheme of things, though, being true to yourself and putting out, I think it's really important going um, back to passing along information of, you know, what it takes to become a professional athlete. being true to yourself through and through is the most important thing. And especially for, for young girls, and this goes for guys too, but young girls don't fall into the trap of your looks and the beauty side of it. Um, because you will get pigeonholed. You will become that person and you won't, even though you may be a damn good skier, you won't get the opportunities, um, of being taken seriously in that style of skiing if you promote yourself in a way that's really focused on your looks. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to let that sink in for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's great, it's great advice. No, I'm, I'm glad we went down this path. It is. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, and, and the thing is, there are, it's not that there's not room for people to be that kind of skier, that ski model. Um, there, There's definitely a place for it. And there's definitely a reason those people should get paid. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, it's just, if you, if your focus is literally skiing, and being that person that is heralded for your abilities, and what you do in your sport, then you've got to keep that at the forefront. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping that at, yeah. Yeah. You just said it. Don't need to repeat it, Emily. (laughs) (laughs) I had another word in my head, but I'm like, yeah, I'll just leave it there. (laughs) Things are going really well today, guys. Thanks for sticking with me. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for sticking with me. We, we're going down some weird rabbit holes right now. <laughs> I know. We're like, we don't prepare any questions in advance, <laughs> yeah. and we also will go down really weird topic areas. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm listening to myself talk right now, and I'm thinking, like, wow, you're really just talking about this on a podcast right now? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you don't even realize, like, how much of an opinion you have until you're, like, already starting to talk about it, and you're like, wow, I really mm-hmm. am passionate about this. find that a lot on this particular podcast. Yeah. That's one thing we'll joke about me is I have opinions. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and it's like, but it's funny when I love to do um, things where your opinions need it because I will have one for you. Um <laughs> but all in we'll all on you for that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all in all in good like I mean it under yeah how do I want to say this like uh but I've also learned to not necessarily just pass judgment on the sake of passing judgment but I will give an opinion if needed <laughs> <laughs> very evolved yes <laughs> if called upon <laughs> I can create one <laughs> so at least what what are you like most excited for on the horizon 
I know we're we're all the whole world is thinking about the horizon right now, and who knows when yeah. when it's when it's going to be uh, accessible. But like, what what's motivating you the most? Mm. Well, on I I honestly am not thinking about the future too much. I feel like that's how I'm able to just kind of get by day to day um, because. I am someone that does so much traveling, uh, mostly for work, but then also for play. And it's kind of crazy to not have anything on the horizon. Um, house projects, there's plenty of house projects to get done and, and been keeping myself quite busy with that. And I'm just hoping for the sake of everyone that we're able to move past this in a timely matter and it not get drawn out um, mm. which you know the, obviously if you read the news um, there's a potential for that you know especially if we bounce back too quickly right now uh, trying to reopen everything um, there's so much politics involved in this uh, virus that it really isn't helping the situation. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's exacerbating the problems instead of just dealing with the problem at hand. So hopefully we can move past that. And I, I feel very fortunate um, where I'm at that I, I'm not affected like some people are. Um, but uh, if this does get drawn out for a long time, the ski industry is going to be affected a lot by this. And people like myself will find themselves out of jobs real quickly because marketing dollars is one of the first things that always gets cut from companies. Mm. Yeah. I'm hoping that we can move out of this in a, in a timely manner as well. Um, and we, we didn't really touch on the, the safe as clinics, but um, once this, once this moves past, I, I think you do that with Michelle Parker too, right? Yeah. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Michelle Parker. Michelle on. And Ingrid Backstrom, Jackie Peso, and then and Lel Tone, and then we'll have um, guest instructors work with us as well. So every once in a while, we'll have Cody as the the token male instructor. <laughs> He's <laughs> just, forced into it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just love to joke about that because just in our industry, it's all of us women have been the token female for so long and so many things. So now Cody, it's great to Cody's the one checkbox. Yeah, we get to return the favor to him. But he's a great sport that he puts up with all us ladies bossing him around for the day. So, yeah. Well, that's great. That's great work. And um, I'm obviously very important for, for women getting into the backcountry, right? So yeah. um, really cool. Yeah, th those will continue. Uh, we don't generally start planning those until midsummer, anyways. Um, it'll be a little interesting this year. We'll, when we reach out to ski resorts to kind of see where things are, I think I just, what I'm finding is that a lot of companies are just literally on hold. They're mm -hmm. not making any decisions down the road. So it, even if you want to try and be ahead of the game and make decisions, you really can't. So, yeah. Have, have yeah. you had those conversations with, with your sponsors about the marketing dollars? Like, has that already come up? Uh, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Not with all sponsors, but yep. It's definitely, um, some brands are, are really feeling the hurt right now. And it'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, like I wish the best for everyone, but I would not be surprised if there are 
uh, brands that fold, unfortunately. Mm. Um, yeah. And yeah, like, and, and not just myself, like a lot of, um, like, I feel like just most athletes are being affected one way or another by a sponsor cutting pay or freezing pay in general. And it's hard, but puts us in a little bit of a bind is because we're all um, contractors. We're not employees with the brands mm. that we work with. We don't have the ability to go and claim unemployment. Um, so it, it's kind of like a contract can just be nullified um, mm. or, or put on hold. And that's just what you're hoping is just that things are just on hold. But um, yeah. Yeah. It's, and it, it's like, not to sound dour about it. It's just kind of the state of being. And, and I, you know, everyone's being affected by this in one way or another. So that's why it's like, it's just very matter of fact to totally. me anyways. Yeah. Well, we're optimistic that it, it will all turn around and, and feel like at, at least the, the outdoor industry is, has always been just creative. Right. And I think that like, we'll see brands iterate and evolve and athletes yeah. like figure out how to live their passion and make it work. And maybe it's, maybe it's a, a little hiccup in a hearkening back to the, mm. the less marketing driven industry and more of the counterculture industry that sparked it all. Right. Yeah. Something for sure. I mean, it's in human nature to succeed and move forward and be creative and how to move forward. And so um, I don't think it's, even though it's really scary right now and, and the idea of people just not getting paid and brands going out of business, uh, there's gonna be a lot of positive stuff. Can't believe this, we can say that, but there'll be positive stuff that comes out of this. And the outdoor industry itself, it's a place for people to escape to. Uh, especially during times like these. I mean, it, it's a little hard, the whole lockdown thing and, and getting hurt in hospitals and all of that. There's, you know, whatever. But the point being, it's still a place that we can go to to deal with stuff like this. And so um, it's not going away. It's not going anywhere. And it'll always be waiting for us. So, um, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll survive. We'll thrive. Awesome. Well, Elise, um, our last question that we ask everyone is what does Stoke mean to you? <laughs> Stoke, um, reminds me of, I mean, cause it's, it's literally the idea of stoking a fire, but stoking a fire is, is like a, in a human sense, like the passion inside of us and Stoke is, keeping that passion going, burning strong. Um, nice. Yeah. I love it. Love awesome, it. Louise. <laughs> well, it's, it's been a, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show here. And, uh, and we're psyched you can make some time to chat. So where, where can our listeners uh, go and connect with you and, and learn more about what you're up to here? Uh, EliseSogstead.com. I got a website. But uh, Instagram, EliseSogstead. Facebook, EliseSogstead. Uh, yeah pretty pretty straightforward um i'll i'm out there uh i sh would like to say i'm going to be in teton gravity research's upcoming movie in the fall but my trip to alaska got canceled this april because of 
the state of things and um, trying to do a makeup trip this summer, but you know, very tentative. Who knows how that goes? So who knows if I'll end up being in the movie or not? But um, I hope so. And uh, yeah, because it's really fun to be a part of ski movies. So. And I saw yeah. even on your website there was a, a ski with a lease. Is that that's a thing? People can just go and and just like request to ski with you. Yeah. Well, it's one of those open invitations. I've I have um, done stuff before skiing with people in South America. Um, so it just yeah, it's a, there's a, an open invitation to it. It's, it's if it all makes sense to make it work. Um, I am definitely keen to give it a go. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me on, you guys. I really appreciate it. It's great to finally get on this show. <laughs> I know. It's been a long time coming, but we are yeah. really appreciative of your time. Yeah. No worries. I, you know, that that's fine. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> listening to me ramble today, everyone. Boy, goodness. I, I don't know what I <laughs> ate this morning for breakfast. <laughs> a lot of brain power going. <laughs> <laughs> something or some, some weird mishaps firing or something going on. The, the rambling yeah. has been fantastic. I think everybody oh, enjoyed it. Really hope you enjoyed that episode. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you dropped a review of the podcast wherever you're listening. And also, if you're not subscribed yet, definitely hit that button so you can tune in each week and not miss an episode. But also, don't miss out on the conversations happening inside our member Facebook group. Just search The Stokecast Podcast on Facebook and join up. Or reach out to say hi on socials at eHalls, at Jonathan Ronzio, or at The Stokecast. Thanks again, and stay stoked.